Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're so glad you've decided to join us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your heart and mind as our pastor, Chip Pendleton, brings us the Word of God. Good morning and especially welcome to everyone that's watching online. We generally have about four times as many people right now watching online as we do uh, uh, in attendance simply uh, because of everything going on with the pandemic. Uh, Welcome to all of our online people. Don't forget you have the sermon notes, the scripture passage, uh, everything that's right there. And uh, of course, use that chat feature as we go through the time together. We've been in a sermon series called Living a Life of Passion. And we said living a life of passion really revolves around two main things. Loving God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and loving your neighbor as yourself. That if that is your passion, then everything is going to end up working out for you. Uh, And we said that those two things are what everything else that we believe hang upon. Now, the way you fulfill that passion, the way you love God, and the way that you love others is going to be different and unique to each person and their particular call and service to God, but we're all called to love God and love others. And so turn over to Matthew 26 today. We're going to be over in Matthew 26, and we're going to be continuing this thought. Uh, and this morning, we're going to be ordaining two deacons as well. And what we're going to be looking at is things that kill your passion. What are dream killers that we have? And we're going to be seeing in the betrayal, the trial, and the crucifixion of Jesus that there's just an instance after instance uh, of, of things that were trying to kill the passion and trying to kill the dream. And we're going to be looking at those this morning. Now, think about things that might deflate you, things that might discourage you. If you were all excited, uh, if you were trying to accomplish something, and then you had a dream killer that came around. Uh, That's what we're going to be looking at today. Uh, You know, I was reading about some Hollywood stars and famous people who've had their bubble burst and yet went on to great success. I just wanted to run through a couple of them for you. One was Walt Disney. Walt Disney worked at the Kansas City Star as his first job. He was fired just a couple of months into it, and this is what was written when he was fired. He totally lacks imagination. An original thought has never entered his mind. Okay, so that's what was said about Walt Disney. Uh, Now, that would be pretty deflating if you're trying to start your career and somebody says that about you. The first big part that Meryl Streep had uh, that she was up for reading was Anne Darrow in King Kong with Dino De Laurentiis. And when she was brought into the office, this is what Dino De Laurentiis said. This part is for Anne Darrow. Why did you bring me an ugly girl? Get her out of the room. That might be a little bit deflating if you were Meryl Streep. And yet she went on to become one of the greatest actresses of all time. Fred Astaire. Fred Astaire, the great Fred Astaire, the first party tried out for at MGM. Uh, this is what they wrote, and they literally handed it to him because they didn't want him to waste his time, keep coming back, reading for parts. Not attractive, balding, can't sing, maybe dances just a little bit. And uh, so that's what was said about Fred Astaire. So, all right, that's not very positive when you get into it. And so we see all of these Hollywood stars that made it really big, that had very deflating things happen to kill their dream. 
Well, we're going to be over in Matthew 26 today, and we're going to be looking at dream killers. We're going to look at five this morning, things that kill your dream. And for Bonnie and Brandon, as they come to be ordained as deacons, you generally come as deacons, and you're all excited to get in there and get started and get going. And then quickly, uh, there are people that try to snuff out that dream, that'll try to, try to push it aside. And a lot of it's going to come from some of the things that we're talking about today. One of the things that kills dreams quickly is short-term thinking short-term thinking. And uh, that's exactly what we see in our scripture passage as we start over in Matthew 26, beginning with verse 47. Matthew 26, verse 47. Jesus has just left the Garden of Gethsemane. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived, and with him a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them, the one that I kiss is the man, arrest him. And going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. And so we have this betrayal of Judas. Uh, Judas, who had been one of the 12 disciples. Judas, who had followed Jesus for three years. Judas, who had seen the miracles, unbelievable miracles. He's seen Jesus walk on water. He's seen Jesus cast out demons. He's seen Jesus raise people from the dead. He's heard the teachings of Jesus day after day in front of the crowds, but he's had the private moments as well, and not just with the group, but one-on-one time with Jesus himself. And we think, why in the world would anybody that had heard all of that and experienced all of this betray someone, and not just betray them, betray them with a kiss of friendship? And I think one of the things that happened with Judas was short-term thinking. For Judas, it was all about, okay, I'm following this Jesus guy. He's the real deal. He's going to go to Jerusalem, and he's going to take over and become famous and declare himself the Messiah. I'm one of his 12 followers. I'm going to be rich and famous, and everybody's going to know my name as well. And then Jesus wasn't interested in any of that. He wasn't interested in going to Jerusalem and taking over in power and glory. As a matter of fact, he was going to Jerusalem to die upon a cross. And as Judas saw everything that he had dreamed about falling to the wayside, he didn't see the big picture. The big picture that what Jesus was doing was absolutely essential to pay for our salvation. And it was the only way. All he saw was short-term benefit. What am I going to do that's going to be the best for me right now? And if I can get a little bit of money and ingratiate myself with the people who are in power, since Jesus isn't going to do it, that's what I need to do. And so this short-term thinking is what is plaguing Judas right now. And short-term thinking will always be something that will plague us and burst our bubble and be a dream killer. Because we'll want the immediate, and we're not willing to work for and hang in there the things that are really good and the things that matter the most. And so you see it in all of life. You see it in things just like, uh, uh, I, I want to lose weight and, and uh, exercise and everything, but we're not willing to put in the hard times. I was reading a thing the other day, most New Year's resolutions are broken in the first week. The first week. How come? Because, well, my goal was to lose 30 pounds, and I've been trying since Tuesday, and it's Thursday, and I still haven't lost them, so forget that. You know, I'm I'm through with that. That's short-term thinking. What's going to benefit you immediately? What's going to be the least path of resistance instead of what is actually the best? And that's what Jesus took. Jesus counter weight to short-term thinking that could have pulled him down was that Jesus kept his goal in mind and he didn't take shortcuts. Look down to verse 50 of our scripture passage. 
Jesus replied, do what you came for, my friend. And then the men stepped forward, seized him, and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached out his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in place, Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Don't you think that I could call on my father and he would at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then could the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? So Jesus had a different way of thinking. Judas was only interested in what's going to happen right now. What's the short term? What's going to benefit me? Jesus had a much bigger picture of what was going on that day. Jesus was about to go pay for the salvation of the world. And so he looks at Judas, this man who's walked with him for three years and is betraying him with a kiss. And look at how he addresses Judas. It's almost unbelievable in verse 50. Just do what you came to do, my friend. There was no condemnation. There was no anger. Jesus knew that Judas had to be a part of what he was doing because he had to go to the cross, and this was the way that that was going to happen. But he addresses him as my friend. And then when some in the crowd, some of the disciples, when they tried to rescue Jesus, and one of them took out a sword and cut off the ear of the high priest trying to rescue Jesus, and Jesus stops him, heals the man's ear, and then says, you know, don't do this. You know, this isn't what it's about. And then he says something interesting. Don't you think that if I wanted to, at this very moment, all I would have to do is say one word and 12 legions of angels would come down and wipe this planet out if I wanted them to. But he said, that's not why I'm here. Look at the last thing he says in verse 54. But how then can scriptures be fulfilled that say it had to happen this way? So Jesus had a much different picture. His was long-term. He was looking at the big picture and what was best and keeping the goal in mind. Short-term thinking will always be a dream killer. Jason Smith is a principal uh, in Indianapolis. Uh, he's a middle school principal, and there was a, a student by the name of Anthony who refused to take his hat off. You may have seen this. Uh, it's been in, in the paper. And uh, Anthony refused to take his hat off in class. His teacher kept trying to get him to do it. He refused to do it, so she sent him to the office. He got to the office. He refused to take the hat, his hat off. Now, most principals would have been done at that point. You know, okay, what's going on? You know, uh, you're obviously going to be uh, suspended or, or whatever. But instead, uh, Jason began to talk to Anthony and say, hey, what's going on? Why are you being so belligerent? And what he found out was that Anthony's, uh, one of his relatives had given him a haircut, and it was a really bad haircut. And he was embarrassed to take his hat off in front of his friends. And so the principal got in his car, went home, got his haircutting equipment because he cuts his own kid's hair, came back, and this is what he did. He cut Anthony's hair for him, and Anthony went back to class feeling much better. Why did he do that? Because there wasn't short-term thinking. If you're breaking the rules, that's it. You're suspended. It's what's going on here. What's the big picture? What can I really do to help you where you're at? That was long-term thinking. Short-term thinking will always be a dream killer. Well, we go on in our scripture passage. We're kind of walking through this whole night with Jesus. And the next thing, the next dream killer that we see in verses 57 through 68 is tradition and settling for status quo. Tradition and settling for status quo. Uh, so Jesus now has been uh, uh, taken by the, the soldiers that were with Judas. He's been taken in front of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council. And let's look at what happens there down in verse 59. 
The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus that they might put him to death, but they couldn't find any, even though many false witnesses came forward. These are the religious leaders. Why would the religious leaders be looking for false evidence to condemn an innocent man so that they could kill him? That seems just a little extreme to me. Well, the reason was Jesus was challenging everything about them, what they believed and what they stood for. And their tradition and power and status quo was being challenged and they were forcibly fighting back against it. First of all, it was being challenged because Jesus was making them look at God in a way they'd never looked at God before. And they didn't want to look at God that way. God was distant. God was powerful. God was judged. Jesus was coming with a God that was intimate and loving. And and they didn't want to change that view of God that they had. Not only that, Jesus was establishing their position and their power and and saying, you know what? A a sinner that comes to God is just as accepted as you are in your your royal robes and all of this. And it was was, uh, challenging their tradition, challenging their power, and they didn't like that at all. And not only that, Jesus, they thought, was a heretic. He's proclaiming to be God himself. He's out there telling people they're forgiven of their sins, and they just couldn't wrap their mind around that. It was nothing they'd ever seen or heard before, and they hated it so much they wanted to kill him. It's interesting to me how tradition can be one of the things that when it is broken will cause people to get angry the quickest uh, and the most. Uh, We don't like it when we've done something a certain way for years, and suddenly it's been changed. Uh, We don't like that at all. Uh, several years ago, uh, I pastored a, a smaller church, and uh, uh, there was, uh, we were trying to get some of the younger ladies involved in WMU, the Women's Missionary Union. And at that point, the only thing the WMU was doing was that they were coming and reading the quarterly. And uh, they would read the quarterly to one another, have a prayer, and go home. And so one of the younger ladies says, hey, let me do the, the program the next month. And so she got in there, she read the quarterly, found the country they were talking about, got all the information, and when they came into the room, she had it set up like an airplane, and she says, oh, we're flying to this country, and then everything in the quarterly, she presented all the information about the country, they ate food that was from that country, at the end, they talked about missionaries serving in that country, and then they had a mission project they were going to do, and she said she was so excited at the end of it, and then this lady raised her hand and said, when are we stopping this nonsense and reading the quarterly? Okay, that's a dream killer, you know, that's there, right there, you know, we've never done it this way before, you know, I just wanted to read the quarterly and go home, why are you doing something different? Tradition will always be something uh, that will cause us to react in a negative way because it's something we feel is a part of us and it's being taken away. There's nothing wrong with tradition. As a matter of fact, some traditions are really good and they help us to, to understand uh, where we've come from and where we're going and they explain things very well. There's nothing wrong with tradition. But when tradition gets in the way of you fulfilling what God has called you to do, that's when things become a problem. So how did Jesus handle this problem with the religious leaders so angry that their power and status quo was being challenged? Well, what Jesus did was this. He looked for the best way not the most convenient way or the way they'd already done it. What's the best way of doing what needs to be done? Look down at verse 63 and see how Jesus responds to all of this. So they've asked Jesus if he was the Messiah. In verse 63, Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God, tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. 
Well, you said so, Jesus replied, but I say to you and to all of you, from now on you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his clothes and said, he's spoken blasphemy. We don't need any more witnesses. Look, you've heard his blasphemy. What do you think? He's worthy of death, they answered. They spit in his face, struck him with their fist, slapped him in the face and said, prophesy to us, Messiah, who hit you? Now, for Jesus, the easy thing would have been, I don't know what you're talking about, you know, uh, I've never done any of these things. But instead, he's got the long-term vision. And what's the long-term vision? What's the best? It's best for him to go to the cross. Now, that's not the easiest thing to do. As a matter of fact, it's going to mean a lot of trouble and pain for Jesus in the next few hours. But in verse 64, he says, no, you're going to see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand, coming on the clouds and it enrages them because it breaks all of their rules and all of their beliefs and all of their traditions and they respond angrily towards Jesus. So there's nothing wrong with tradition but tradition can't get in the way of you fulfilling what God has called you to do. Most of y'all know who Dwayne the Rock Johnson is. Everybody know Dwayne Johnson? As a matter of fact, he is the number one paid movie star in the world right now. Well, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, is a man's man. But he has three daughters. No sons, three daughters. And so here's a picture of Dwayne The Rock right here playing with one of his daughters. Uh, that was actually Photoshop. That's my arm there, not his. Uh, but re regardless, he was asked, okay, what are you doing playing with your daughters? And this is what he said. Hey, with my daughters, I have tea parties. I paint their nails. They, they, uh, I do their hair. They put makeup on me. Uh, I, do the, I do everything that I can do to play with them and be a part of them because I'm not worried about what a man's man was supposed to do. I'm worried about what a daddy's supposed to do. Okay, so there's a guy saying, I don't care about tradition or what a man's role is or, or, or what people think a big tough guy was supposed to do. I'm worried about loving my children and raising my daughters. Uh, that's someone that's saying, okay, I'll break tradition if it's for the biggest and the best long term. A third dream killer that we have is fear. Fear. And fear is a major dream killer. It'll kill it right from the start. I'm afraid this isn't going to work. I'm afraid I'm not good enough. 